have a couple things I want to say before we get started. I want each of you to make a concerted effort. You know, this is September. September's hard for Cherokee County. I'm just saying, being honest for us. We got Labor Day weekend. That's not just Cherokee County. That's across the country. Um, but, but we do have Labor Day weekend. And then last week we had um, Irma, you know, showed up. And so, you know, Irma shows up. And so, you know, I don't know how that goes. And then this week is front side of vacation. Next week is back side of vacation, school break. And, and so I, it always affects attendance. But I don't want you to miss October 1st. I want everybody to say this real loud. Say, I'm not going to miss October 1st. All right. I'm saying, I'm being honest. That you, don't, you do not want to miss October 1st. And I'm not just saying that to get you back in the house after a month of storms and vacations and all sorts of things. I'm saying it because that day we are launching a new series that I believe we all need to be a part of that launch. I want you to hear that launch. I'm also saying it because that day I will make the most significant announcement I have ever made from this platform, okay, on that day. October 1st, the most significant announcement I've ever made from this platform on that day. And the third thing on that day is we're giving every single person that comes that's an adult or a teenager a t-shirt, a special design t-shirt, all right? And so I want you here on October 1st to hear the announcement, to get the t-shirt, and to start that series. So if you would, just for your pastor's sake, say, I will be here October 1st. Now, Scout's Honor, one more time, ready? I will be here October Okay, okay. So let's get into 1 Peter chapter 5. That's our jumping off verse for this series, Louder Than Lions. If you missed last week's teaching, go check out the podcast. We're not going to recap too much of it. But our jumping off verse is 1 Peter 5 verse 8. And it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And what we saw last week, we saw that Jesus gives us the authority to resist the devourer in our lives, and we resist him firm in our faith. And I told you last week, sometimes the struggle is that the faith we possess isn't a strong enough faith to possess us. The faith that we hold to at times isn't strong enough to be a faith that holds us. Christianity, I don't want to be a believer, and I don't want to be a church that has some Americanized Christianity, come on somebody, all right, I want us to be fierce in the things of God, you know, I want us to be fierce when it comes to holding fast, that, that kind of faith, and I'm not saying something fake, something that you try to muster up and just grunt real good, mm, I believe, I don't mean that, I'm talking about faith that puts feet to your walk, you know, faith that gets you moving forward, and this is how I'm going to live, this is what I'm going to do for the kingdom of God, this is the things that God's taking care of in my life, this is the things I'm submitting to his leaders, I can't be passive any longer, that kind of, that kind of faith, does that make sense? And so man, there's something about that, 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 that will take your Christianity away from just being a Sunday morning experience. There's something about that kind of mindset where, God, I'm living by faith. I, I want to know what you're doing today, and I want to walk right in step with what you're doing today, God. If there's an adversary, if there's a lion, if there's something standing in the way, give me the ability to deal with it, God. There's something about that that makes your Christianity vibrant Monday through Saturday. Amen? And that's the kind of believer I want to be. That's the kind of believer that since 19 years old, I've tried to be, I've tried to pursue you know, I don't know about you all, I, anything less than that is just boring, right? Jesus is anything but boring. Amen. 
So when we come down to this, we saw last week that he brings this sense of dominion. At the end of that scripture we read last week, it talked about the dominion that we have. Kingdom, dominion, power, authority. That's what God gives us. And, but too often what happens is we put more confidence in what the lion is roaring about than what God has already delivered and said is true in our lives. We focus in on the lie of the lion. We focus in on the devourer and that roar more so than the declared truth that God has. And you know the lion of your life will do that. The lion will tell you that you are defeated, but God says in you that through Jesus you have overcome the world. The lion, he will come and he will tell you in your life that you can't get out from under the circumstances that you're going through. And Jesus will come. Young people, listen, just get this always in your mind. Jesus will come and he'll tell you that you can be above and not beneath. You don't have to live under the circumstances. My dad was one of those old type preachers. And he would say, if you're living under the circumstances, what are you doing under there? God's called you to be able to rise above. Amen? The line will come to you. And he'll begin to tell you things like you're no good. But God will say to you, you're accepted. I told you that last week. Accepted in the beloved. Accepted that we find our rest and our value and our worth in Jesus. And so when this scripture comes to us and challenges us to be aware or to be sober-minded, to be watchful. Another word in another translation will say to be vigilant. Say vigilant. When the Bible says that, it says it because it's here. It's sober-mindedness. It's, it's right here where the battle is fought. It's in our minds. It's the battle in your mind, it's that battle there that tries to keep you from God's best for your life. And because of that, we need to be watchful, vigilant, mindful. We need to be those who aren't just passively going through our Christian walk, passively going through life, but we need to be active because your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. And so the counteracting of the royal, of the, of the, of the, of the roaring lion, the counteracting of that is what? The scripture shows us what it is. It's the sober-minded vigilance of the people of God. That's what counteracts the roar of the lion. Well, God will just defeat him in my life. Yes, if you're sober-minded and vigilant, if you're setting yourself to be watchful in partnership with God, yes, God and his power will come and will destroy the devourer. But we need to be vigilant. I love it, the vigilance. It means this, ever awake ever alert, on lookout, especially for danger. You know, you hear, you hear kind of the term now, you got to be like woke. You got to be woke. You got to have your eyes open to what's going on, that idea of danger. It's not just being woke to danger. It's also being awoke to the idea of opportunity because vigilance will find opportunity. Every single lion that comes to try to destroy, God can turn on its ear, destroy the lion, and bring opportunity as well. So this isn't just something that's reactive, Everybody listen, and this is going to come into play later in the teaching. This is something that's also very proactive. I think Christianity too often is reactive. We'll, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm, jumping, I'm jumping ahead too soon. And so when it comes down to this idea of vigilance, you know, in your own life, what do you need to be sober-minded? What do you need to be watchful of? What lie roars so loud that you can't hear the truth that God is speaking over you? In your life, what discouragement in your life plays on repeat in your mind trying to steal your heart, because that really is what discouragement is. It's the stealing of one's heart, their courage, their resolve. 
What sin? Maybe the lion is a sin. What sin do you struggle with that in your mind feels like it's just too strong to even try to face? I see the lion. I know it's there. It's just too much for me to deal with, you know? What is that? And then let me ask you this. What opportunity is it in your life like a lion that God just wants you to grab a hold of the mane, wrestle that opportunity to the ground and slay it and then take the head of that lion, that opportunity, and put it on the wall and be able to look at your friends and family and all the world that can look and see and say, look what the Lord has done. You know, So uh, it could be that. It could be something that God's just wanting you to do in his name and for his glory. But here's the thing. When it comes down to it, the enemy loves to come and roar loudly. And when he does, he'll roar loudly with temptation. And when he does, he'll roar loudly with discouragement. And when he comes, he'll roar loudly with a lie telling you you can't. And when he comes, he'll roar. But I told you last Sunday that God wants us to live louder than that roar. Amen? Have a faith that's louder than the lion. And so today we're going to be continuing to look at this because it's not enough just to believe. What are we going to do with that belief? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet as we get into today's scripture. We hit 1 Peter real quick. We're going to put on the screen 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20 through 21. And this is a very obscure story about a very vigilant man in Scripture. And it's a story that in the comfort of your house, as you're reading your sweet little devotional, and you come past this story, you may fly right by it and not get the, the fierceness of the text. You may fly right by it and just not get this courageous cinematic experience because it's one of God's best stories but it's just so stinking short God in heaven I want to see the rest of this story you know what I'm saying this is a good one but it just could have used a little more and so when it comes down to it the courage of this man what this man possessed we're going to be able to look at and see for our lives a few points second Samuel chapter 23 verse 20 it says in Beniah the son of Jehoiada was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah, Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Spear. Bless God. <laughs> These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he won a name beside the three mighty men. Let's pray. Father, right now we just come to you. We ask that your divine presence would show up here today, that you would help us with the word of God to stir the things of our spirit, our, our, our faith, to allow us to be a people that when we leave here, we can know that we don't have to be discouraged, but we can be encouraged. We don't have to disbelieve. We can believe that through you all things are possible and that you have us to be lion chasers in this house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. So as you look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to start off with the first thing. And I just want to tell you this, that there is a call on your life, each and every one of you, to be a doer of great deeds. I love that. When I look at that little passage of scripture and I come across that, I just think that's the neatest. I just, doer? Everybody just say a doer of great deeds. It just sounds good. It's like God loves alliteration or something. 
I love those double Ds. I don't know why. The doer of great deeds. But you can see it right there. And I believe God is letting it be said over you that you are a doer of great deeds. And so you see this man. He's about ready to face this lion. And God's already declaring in his life he's a doer of great deeds. And, and, and I got to thinking about something that's happening this weekend in light of today. And, um, and I'll just speak to it a little bit. Amy, my wife, you guys know Amy, right? Some of you, if you're a guest, she's my better half for sure. And um, everyone would agree. Amen? Yes. So, but here's the thing. Amy is in Ohio right now. And the reason why Amy's in Ohio is, um, do you guys know Debbie Ronas here at church? Okay. So Debbie Ronas got the opportunity to go preach. This is amazing. I love this. To go preach the word of God at a little women's conference up in Ohio on Friday night and Saturday. This morning she is teaching, Amy's teaching, and then she's teaching um, this morning as well at, at my father's church. But they had the opportunity to go and minister. And it wasn't until last week that we started putting two and two together and started realizing how amazing this is to happen on this weekend. All right? Because there's a call of God on every one of us to be a doer of great Deeds. So Debbie Ronis, on September 15, 2007, many of you have heard this story. Some of you haven't. I won't go too detailed. But with it, on September 2007, September 15th, that's, that's 10 years ago on Friday, okay? I am coaching little kids at a soccer field, five-year-olds. Grant's 15 now. Luke's about 15. These were little guys. And this New York, Brooklyn mess of a woman shows up beside me. And she's like, where the blank is my coach? And I'm like, I'm not your blanking coach. I didn't say that. But I'm like, I, I don't know. And if she would have said my coach, I'm looking for Ross Wiseman. I'd been like, he's over there. Because frankly, she's a little scary. But no, she said, she didn't even know the coach's name. It wasn't us. She knew that. And so she had been on the field a couple of weeks in a row. She's frustrated. Long story short, I'm like, the kid can play with my kid. You know, the, the, they can go, he's five. Let him go play. Well, he's not been to practice. It doesn't matter. They just run around at that, you know. Well, he doesn't have a jersey. I have an extra, one extra jersey. Just so happens to be Lucas, Luke's size and favorite number. Okay. So long story short, I coached that team all season. At the end of the season, I don't tell them I'm Pastor Ross. I'm just Coach Ross. At the end of the season, I invite some of my team. I'm like, hey, my church that I go to is having an event. I'd love for you all to come to the church I go to's event, you know. And so I invited them, and several came. Well, they came. And um, they came just in time for the party part, not the service part, because I told people that it's this time for service, this time for the party. They came for the party. When they heard people saying Pastor Ross, they realized, oh, that's a preacher. You know, that's a pastor. Took her a long time not to call me father. You know? Um, couldn't understand how a pastor could have children and all those kinds of things. Because, you know, she left the Catholic Church when she left home, you know? And um, so long story short with that, this woman is a mess. All during the soccer season, I could see her eaten up with the lie of the lion. You could see her looking at people and comparing herself and not measuring up but trying so hard to not only measure, but to exceed and, and, and just eaten up with it. She just needed the grace of Jesus in her life. Amen? And there may be somebody here right now, you worry so much the line is that, just telling you that you never measure up and always trying to measure up, and it just, it's roaring in your ears. And you could just see this woman, it's a mess. So she comes, and then they come again, and I think it was two Sundays later they get saved, and, or she gets saved. And, and here's the thing about it, okay? What I was going to say was so neat was, I don't think it was an accident 
that she got to speak on September 15th. That's the night that conference started. <laughs> she'll think it's an accident, you know? A doer of great deeds. I mean, it just blows my mind, you know? And so the thing about it is, when it comes to it, the things that she's faced to get that far in 10 years, and she's still growing and still developing and still falling all over herself like most of us. Amen? Thank God we're a grace, truth kind of ministry. Amen? We're a kind of ministry where you get moving forward before you get it figured out. Why? Because we got a bunch of lion chasers in here. Amen? And so what happens here is you see this woman, Debbie, just pursuing God. I feel much like Benaiah, where he saw that lion and ran into the pit, you know? I mean, if you're thinking about it, if you're fussing with a lion and a lion falls down into a pit, the battle just got won, right? I mean, like, hey, you're down there, I'm up here, I'm good. But not if you're a lion chaser, not if you're somebody that's hardwired to go, uh-uh, I'm getting everything that God wants for me. I'm moving to everything that God has for me. I'm not, I'm a doer of great deeds, you know. And so Benaiah, man, he runs down into the pit on a snowy day and attacks this lion. Stupid. Awesomely, awesomely stupid. And you can see by the story that he, he had this call on his life he couldn't shake. And he just chased it and went after it. And God did this great deed through him. Listen, normal people, they run away from lions, right? But lion chasers are just wired differently. Doers of great deeds, they can't be satisfied with less than God's best. They can't be satisfied with less than what God has for them. They, they're just, that, that, that's right there, it's so close. But I'm going to go chase after it. I'm going to take what God tells me is mine. Is that cool? Scary. But it's cool. And you may say, but pastor, when it comes down to it, um, I'm not called to be a preacher. You might not be. I don't think being a preacher is the greatest of doer of great deeds. I'll be honest. You know? I don't. The greatest mentor in my life, I tell you all the time, was a plumber. I love, pa I love Ron, man. Ron wanted to be a pastor. It just wasn't a fit. He tried. He went to Bible college four years. Was in ministry three or four years, full-time, vocationally. Just wasn't a fit. He starts plumbing, and next thing you know, I'm a pastor that's come out of working with him as a kid. Pastor Corey's a pastor who came out of working with him as a kid. David Zayner, a kid back home, is a pastor who's come out of work. And I can go after list after probably 20, 25 of us through the years that that man mentored into ministry. And he was a plumber. He was a doer of great, of great deeds. Amen. So when it comes down to it, we need some dad doer of great deeds in here. Amen? We need some mom doer of great deeds, some student doers of great, of great deeds, some mama and papa. When you make mama, papa, my mom, my mom, my grandma, she made like, like cornbread, not, and we called it cone pone. Have you ever heard that term before? This is my hillbilly grandma, you know. And my, my mother's mom, and she'd make compone, and, I, and it was an iron skillet, and it, was, it, had, it had butter and Jesus in it. <laughs> it was so good. But, but, but 
grandma would. She was a doer of great deeds. She would make that meal. But man, her life and her faith. And I can remember when she was 80 years old, she had cancer. And she's dying in a hospital. And the Lord came and she felt like he visited her. And she would tell the story how I felt him lay upon beside me. And I felt like his shoulder on my shoulder and his knee upon my knee and his ankle upon my ankle as he lay there and comforted me. And, and I said, God, I want to have more life. I want to see my kids grow. I want to see my grandbabies grow. And God gave her, you know, I'm lying to you. It was 70 years old. God gave her 23 more years to experience all that. She was a doer of great deeds. It was amazing the things that she would put into our lives, you know. And then she's just so pretty. She'd sit there with her leg crossed and her little legs showing. And she'd have her skirt up just a tiny bit. I'm not sure why I'm telling you this. And I'd, I'd pull Grandma's skirt down off her knee. And I said, Grandma, I got to die. No, no, no. Jesus gave me pretty legs. I'm going to show them. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with this sermon at all. <laughs> oh, man. She also, <laughs> people would say, Bobby, how do you keep looking so young? Her name was Bobby Hatfield. How do you keep looking so young? And she'd say, good cold cream and Jesus. That's what... All right, so that's what she'd say. All right, <laughs> well, but, but, but grandmas and grandpas who are doers of great deeds, sowing into their kids' lives, you know? Business owners, that in the lives of your employee, you're a doer of a great deed, you know? I, I mean, when it comes down to it, employees, you know, that are doers of great deeds, go any extra measure that people can see Jesus in you. you. It's not that you preach a sermon every day that I'll never have the opportunity to preach. Do you know that? Chip, in that place where you're going and working at school, and he's preparing to be a principal, you preach sermons every day I'll never get to preach, you know? And every one of you is that way, amen? I, when I think of a doer of a great deed, Jason Mitchell, you get up here right now. Come on, buddy. Man. There's no way we cannot have a day like today and not talk about Jason Mitchell. This guy right here on Thursday, right, the 21st, it's Thursday, right? On Thursday, he, they're going to take his kidney out of his body. That's awesome for us. That's cool for you. That's a lion in a pit on a snowy day. He's a doer of great deeds. And they're going to take a kidney out of his body. And then his little nephew, his wife's little nephew by blood, that little Donovan is going to get Uncle Jason's kidney. Amen? Yeah, that, we can stand to our feet. Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're going to pray, amen? Stretch your hands this way right now. Father, we thank you for our brother Jason. Jesus, on Thursday, his nephew will get his kidney. But Lord God, through this action of faith, this great man of faith, this doer of great deeds, Lord, let Donovan grow, not just to have the kidney of his uncle, but let him grow, God, to have the heart of his uncle. Let him grow, God, to be passionate about you, Jesus, to be able to be a man like Jason that just selflessly lays things down for his family, his friends, bless this surgery, bring uh, uh, the skill of the surgeon to bear upon it, allow quick recovery, and allow Donovan to be made well in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, man. Proud of you. Amen. Woo, doer of great deeds. That's amazing. I love that. And so I don't know what line, I don't know what deed, I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this, there's a call on your life to be a doer of great deeds. I just know that. I just know that. What's that look like in your neighborhood? What's that look like at school? What's that look like? You, you ask God, but he'll show you, and then you chase it down, amen? Number two, the enemy of your heart 
wants to keep you from your call. He was a doer of great deeds, but he had to face that lion. That, 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 that nomenclature over his life would not have been there had he not chased the lion. Had he not, the invitation was there, all the opportunity was there, everything was there. But had he not ran down into the pit toward that lion on a snowy day, that call over his life would not have manifested. And so for every one of us, there is an enemy that wants to keep us from that call, a roaring lion that seeks whom he may devour. We see that he's a devourer. A devourer. This is, this is something a little bit different because this is, is Greek, but in the Hebrew, I love it, when it talks about the devourer in the Old Testament, the word that is used is the seed eater. The seed eater. That this, this thing, like this bird that comes and tries to take, tries to devour, tries to take the seed before it can take root. And, it doesn't matter if it's a bird or a lion. All I'm saying, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, when it comes to the idea of this devour, this, this idea of taking, it wants to rob you of the opportunity that God wants to do in your life. For you to rise up to that call that he has for you, to move in that, that will that he has on your life. And the seed eater or the devourer, as we see here, wants to rob you of that. And if he can't take your life, he will seek to devour your call, to devour your call. If he can't take your life, he will seek to de devour your influence. I don't think us as Christians think enough about our influence. You know? I I, like I said, I think for many of us, if we're not careful, Christianity is a Sunday morning experience, something that we do here, and, then, and, and that's kind of about it. And it's more about leading self, and we feel like Sunday morning helps to bring some self-leadership and it does, but dude, I'm looking at a whole room full of leaders. I'm looking at a whole room full of people with a call on your life, with influence within you. If you'll, if you'll go after the lions that God sets before you, whether it's an opportunity, something to do, or whether it's something that God is saying to take care of in your life, if you'll go after that, your influence will expand. Not for your benefit, not for your glory, but for the good of people and the glory of God. Amen? Again, to hang that lion's head on the wall and say, look what the Lord has done. And I believe we need to be a people that are concerned about that. I don't know if Benaiah was concerned about that. I just know that he continued to press after the call, press after the call. What was before him, he's going headfirst for it. And with it, God continued to establish his call. In verse 20, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Jehoiada, a doer of great deeds. He struck down the aerials of Moab. He also went down and struck that lion. I love this. When you get down to verse 23, it says that David set Benaiah as head of his bodyguards. This call, when he was faithful in the small thing, when he was faithful in this, not that the lion was small. I'm sure there were some other battles he had before the lion. Other battles he had before the Egyptian. But because he continued to be faithful, there was an opportunity where out of the 30 men that David had as his mighty men, they were called mighty men of valor. In other words, mighty men that were valiant. And here it calls him a valiant man. Valiance is the idea of courage, determination. It's the idea of not backing down. It's the idea of having that possession of valor, which is determination and honor in the face of of adversity. And David had 30 men that were like that. Out of those 30 men, he had three that were his main three. And one of them is my favorite, Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. That's just a great name. It is. It is. And Shammah, the son of Aji, the Herite. And, 
and whatever. But when you look at those three, these are some bad mama jammas. These are some guys, I mean, literally, um, um, I think it was Eleazar that, that fought, no, it was Shammah, Shammah that fought on a little tiny parcel of land defending these lentils, a little bean patch, and he fights off the Philistines in a small space, hundreds of them, you know? I always joke that that must have been like beans like my mama makes, you know, because her soup beans are worth fighting for. But that's amazing. And, 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 and Eleazar, he fought so valiantly. If I remember, I think it was one of those guys fought so valiantly. They held so tight to the sword, they couldn't even let go of it. They had gripped for so long fighting. And so you had three men. You had another guy that I'm not, I don't have time to talk about. And, and then you have this man who is set as the bodyguard, the head of the bodyguard. So out of 30 men, he had risen to the top of the top five guys. Isn't that neat? And it was just because he was faithful with what came to him. It was because he was proactive. Shout proactive. It says he struck down that. Um, an um, amazing author, amazing author named Mark Batterson, he speaks of reactive Christianity. Reactive Christianity. And the idea is this, that we're known more as Christians sometimes for what we're against than what we're for. It's, it's a kind of a reactive kind of thing. And, and this is stemmed from the church being focused for so long on trying to not commit sin. And I get that. That's good. We want to live holy, correct? Amen. Amen? We want to strive for holiness. But we have a long list of don'ts, long list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And if you don't do all those things, now you're pleasing to God. Long list of don'ts. It's almost like we have holiness that comes through subtraction. Let me say it again, like holiness that comes through subtraction. I don't do this and I don't do that, and so therefore I am holy. Therefore I'm answering the call of God on my life. Because isn't the call of God on my life to be holy, to be, to be not pursue sin? and not, That's part of it. It's part of it. But it's not all of it. It's kind of like a half Christian. I've heard it said before. It's, it's just half of it. You know, because listen, you can do nothing wrong, but still do nothing right. That can't be satisfactory to us. We can't be okay with the lion in the pit and say, look, I'm the winner. No, no, I, I don't want to be reactive. We're in the battle. The lion brought the battle. The lion stumbles and now is in the pit. And I'm up here. Hey, I'm good. No, the battle's half won. I want to be proactive. God wants warriors to jump down the pit and deal with it. Slaying. Not trying to tame the lion, but slaying. You can't tame a lion. Trying to, oh, people try, but in a second, you, you really can't. That's why it's so fun watching that, because you're like, this guy's about to die. That's the tension that makes that whole thing fun. You sick people. Okay. We're good at focusing on sins of commission. That's the sins that we do, okay? But I don't think that's what the devil's after. Because the devil really doesn't care if you're sinning. If you're sinning and you're falling away from Christ and you run after the world and you're done with Jesus and you're done with it, you know, so you take yourself to hell. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm going right to the nth degree here. Rashi just went off the cliff. You're right. I'm, I'm going... But if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm having sins of, of omission, in other words, things I'm supposed to do that I'm not doing, it's not me that it's affecting, it's other people's lives that it's affecting, it's not getting other people to heaven, it's not getting children and people that are in my influence to the things of God, it's not getting, does that make sense? And so the focus can't be reactive, it's got to be proactive. Our call isn't just to run away from sin. That's reactive Christianity. Our call is to chase lions. That's our call. 
And as a church, we're trying to do that at a greater measure. I had a meeting this week with a chaplain who's helping us put together a grief share ministry. You know, something proactive. We're, we're moving something forward to help people deal with their grief, you know. Had another thing with a person that's helping looking at a recovery type thing here, you know. Right now we send people to Sixes United Methodist Church for their Celebrate Recovery. Great program. If you have struggles with hurts, habits, and hangups, go there. But behind the scenes, we don't want to be reactive. We want to be proactive. And so we're looking at putting that together. You know, that first Wednesday night in October, there's a group that's going to, we're just hosting them here, but I'm going to be a part of it, 60-day turnaround. It's a health thing. It's helping people find health and understand what's, just being proactive in those lions in our lives, you know? And so I don't know what it looks like for you. That's just kind of for me as far as the church goes, just trying to be proactive, not reactionary. And the thing is, there's an enemy of your heart that wants to keep you from your call. I don't know what that is in your life, but it's not something just to react something to be proactive to move forward. Number three, God didn't call us to play with lions in our lives. He called us to slay lions in our lives. It says in verse 21, he struck down an Egyptian. Now, this isn't a physical lion, but this is kind of a, a lion of a man. He was a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Naya went down to him. I love this. Here he goes again. He can't help himself. You know? The pit was in the lion, in the pit. I'm sorry, the lion was in the pit, and he had to go down to it, you know. Now, here's an Egyptian with a handsome, as if an ugly man with a spear would be better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> but he goes down to him with his staff, and he snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, and he killed him with his own spear. I guess what I pick up from that is that God didn't call us to live safe little sin-free lives that have little effect on the world around us. He just didn't, that's, not, that's not the call of God for these Christ followers. Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And we're his people. We're not called to be safe. God has a dangerous call upon our lives. And that's not just something for church, but God doesn't want you to live safe when it comes to your family or when it comes to your friends or when it comes, he wants you to live out there doing whatever it takes God leads you to, to grab a hold of those opportunities that he has for you. And yes, some of that will be dealing with sin, but a lot of that will be dealing with opportunity and not being passive on either end. God didn't call his church to be safe. As I told you last week, he called us to have dominion. That's powerful. That's authority. Dominion means ruling authority. That, that we're to subdue the earth. And I just think the call of God on each of us is a little more dangerous and a little more uncivilized than at times than we think is just pleasing God, you know. It's just a little more dangerous than just trying to be a good boy or trying to be a good girl. When it comes to Debbie, as I close, it's a great weekend for her because I know she's feeling that expression of her call in ministry. But Debbie's growth, it was messy. Debbie's growth is still messy. And I'll say that because she'll hear it and she'll punch me because that's Debbie. But Debbie's growth has been real. The ups and the downs, and at times in Debbie's life, old lions roared, but she continued to let the truth over her life roar louder than the devourer. And she continued to move forward. And I, I can still remember Debbie's first testimony, the first time she ever shared anything on behalf of God from a platform, and it was about maybe six weeks after she got saved. I had preached on tithing, and upon preaching on tithing that day, I said, you can trust God with your finances. She thought she would try it, and she trusted God with her finances that first time. 
And that week, she got a call from Disney, um, their website, and they're going to use their family because they're good-looking people. And um, they're going to use their family for a, a wet whatever thing, you know. And they're going to pay them, which is crazy. And so she came to me at the gym, Bess Ross, Bess Ross, you'll never guess what happened. What happened, Debbie? I tied for the first time on Sunday. You said you could trust God, and I trusted God. And I was like, yeah, yeah. She said, and Disney called. And they're going to pay us $1,500 to take photos. They're flying a guy here to take pictures of us. Now, obviously, we don't give to get. Amen? New believers, though, God does this with sometimes. Amen? He does. And uh, she says that, and I said, are you serious? And she goes, I'm not crapping you. She didn't use that word. <laughs> That's Debbie. And so I said to her, I said, right then, I said, hey, Sunday we're telling stories. We're having kind of a, uh, it's called a testimony service. We're, we're doing a, a service where people are sharing all these stories. Would you want to share that story? And she said, yes. And that was on, I think, Tuesday. On Thursday, I was with some pastors, and I told them that story. And I told them I was going to have them share her share on Sunday. And they said, well, you are going to ask her to clean it up, aren't you? And I said, heck No. She can say whatever she wants. Thank God she didn't. <laughs> By Sunday, the Holy Spirit had given her some power to censor that thing a little. <laughs> but that was her. And she made a commitment to be proactive, moving forward, taking every opportunity that she could. And you've seen that. And many of you here are a byproduct of her opportunities, both the failures and the successes, you know? But she's not afraid to be proactive, to move forward, to go down into the pit, to go down to the Egyptian and to deal with those things. And she made a commitment to be proactive, moving forward, taking every opportunity and slaying every lion that tries to devour her destiny to live for the glory of God. And with that, this morning, my wife is preaching and she's preaching and they're doing ministry in Ohio. And that's crazy. said no guts no glory you've heard that before right let me say it this way no guts no glory yeah that's true but no guts great regret great regret i just have this feeling that benaiah on his deathbed sat there thinking god made me the man i don't mean that in a bad way i just i took a lion i took an egyptian handsome good looking egyptian an Egyptian that looked like Tom Robinson. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I was appointed to be one of the top five of David's group, ahead of the bodyguards. I'm this close to the king. Won't that preach? I killed a lion. I, went, I was proactive. I went down and took care of that. I got this close to the game. That's what it's about. Not being reactionary. God, help me not sin. No, that, that's part of fighting the line. I get it. I get it. But God, what do you have for me to do for your kingdom? There's just something in Scripture that says if you walk after the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You start killing lions in your life and chasing down opportunity, you don't have a whole lot of time to deal with the sin in your life. It just kind of starts being dealt with on its own. Dr. Neil Rose, he said this, that there are regrets, regrets of action and regrets of inaction. When it comes to a regret of action, that's wishing you hadn't done something. 
I wish I wouldn't have messed up there. From a theological standpoint, that would be what we call the sin of commission. The things that we do wrong, and we feel, God, help me to deal with this lion in my life. And yes, you'll have regrets of action that you feel like God helped me with, and he wants to help you with that. But don't let that be your sole focus in Christianity, because if so, that's a reactionary Christianity, and you're only living half the Christian life. Don't wait to get cleaned up. Don't wait to get perfect to start to move in action and proactivity for God toward the opportunities he has for you. If you do, what will happen is you'll have reaction. You'll have regrets of inaction. That's where you wish you had done something. Oh, I wish I had done that. I had an opportunity. I kept my mouth shut. I had an opportunity to give, and I didn't give. I had an opportunity to serve, and I didn't serve. I had an opportunity to whatever it is, and I didn't do that. That's called a sin of omission. Still, what's a sin? It's just missing God's best. It's missing the mark. That's all it is. I think as a Christ follower, we need to be reactive and proactive. Let's put both sides of that together. Amen? I want to pray with you right now. If you would, just kind of hold your hands toward me. I want to pray. I I don't know. The word I wrote in my notes was a prophetic prayer. All right? I'm not exactly even sure what that means. I just know a prophetic thing is a timely word from God for a season, for a moment. And I just pray as we pray, he'll speak over your life. Jesus, you see these hands raised? And in your mighty name, we release lion chasers in this house. Oh, hallelujah. In your mighty name, God, we release those who would not be afraid to go down in the pit on a snowy day, whatever the adversity is, to take care of the opportunity that you have for them. Lord God, that they would be those that would deal with sin, those sins of commission. Yes, but God, also those who would deal with those things that are opportunities in their lives, that they'll grab them by the mane, God. We ask that you release that power, that authority, that kingdom ability to subdue all that you desire for them to walk in that freedom that you have for them, but Lord, for a freedom for purpose, a freedom to do, and a freedom that that call leads us to a place closer to the side of our King, in Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.